0: The scripture text for today's message is taken from Genesis 2, verse 19, and 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Now, 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If
1: you would turn back to the Genesis passage, I'm going to... uh... Begin with that. I missed you. It's good to be back. I uh, spent a couple hours in prayer uh, every day while I was on vacation, and I thought about you a lot. And I would like to take a break uh, between these uh, series of sermons and tell you next week what I thought about. I think that our church is at a crossroads, and I uh, I want to work through this process. With the leadership of the church. And so I got great hopes for what we're going to become. But, uh, we, we've got to make some big decisions in the, in the near future. So I want you to pray with us that, um, that we will hear God. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that next week. And then we'll continue on with the series. We're in the middle of the second part of the three part series now on what went wrong with the purposes. Uh, that God gave us in the Garden of Eden. This particular one is about knowledge. And then the next series will be how all of these purposes are renewed and restored in Jesus Christ. I want you to sense the spirit of knowledge given in the Old Testament in the Garden of Eden. The attitude, the atmosphere. I'm going to preach to you today what is a very simple concept. But it is so profound that if you employ it every day of your life, you will be a completely different person. You will not be so tense. You will not be so defensive. You will not be intimidated. You will be completely different. I want you to see how Adam saw God putting together the world. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. Now, that happened in chapter 1. This is an this isn't happening before Adam's very eyes. It's not, I've told you before, this didn't happen in five minutes. This is something that is recalling re, who made what was evident. Every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Now, remember the Hebrew here. The Hebrew means to call out to. And to give a name to, in the Bible, is always to be able to know something of the nature of. And so what we see here is a picture of Adam forming a relationship between him and the animals. And seeing the different natures that the animals have. We see Adam, in other words, forming a picture of the world by seeing the individuality and then connecting the dots. Did you ever do one of those little connect the dots picture when you were a kid? You know, you go to one and you bring up a picture. Well, that's the message. I don't want you to forget this. I'm going to be saying this over and over to you again. I'm going to be writing on this. Forming an adequate picture of the world is a matter of connecting the dots. Now, it also says in verse 20 that the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper, suitable for him. One who corresponded directly to him. So therefore, Adam had a relationship to all that was made. But he did not have an intimate fellowship with everything that was made. Now, to begin, therefore, the knowledge of the world is a comprehensive view on how God made the world. He made everything for a purpose, everything with its nature, and it all connects. It all makes sense. What happened then from that Garden of Eden experience to First John four, turn to First John four with me. Things by this time are very divided; they are very different. Now that's not to say that there weren't threatening things in the in uh, you know just after the Garden of Eden and so on and so forth, uh, but it seems to me there was a deterioration over the years of the connectedness of things before things could have gotten along or not gotten along, but at least you could see the connection. I was talking with uh, Billy Pickett yesterday. He's the Methodist, uh, Pine Castle Methodist preacher. Neat, neat guy. I love this guy. He was telling me a story about uh, Francis Asbury, Bishop Francis, Fra- Francis Asbury, supposedly a true story. Uh, when he was traveling in this country uh, back in the old days, uh, he got held up, accosted by a, a robber with a with a uh, bandana over his and a gun in his hand. And Bishop Asbury looked at him and said, Now you wouldn't rob an old Methodist bishop, would you? And the thief said, Oh, I don't mind. I'm a Methodist myself. <laughs> what? To say everything is connected doesn't say anything about bad or good. We just say it's connected. There's something there. There's an underlying line too. That was the nature of the world. Now, I want you to see what happened. In 1 John 4, it says this. Beloved, do not believe, that is, stop believing. They're they're already believing in the process of believing. Every spirit... Now, again, the spirit is not a little angel or devil or whatever that's coming and whispering into your ear. The spirit is an attitude. The spirit is an atmosphere that comes to you. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, the Greek word here means to test in order to approve. I don't want to... For you to get the idea that we are to build suspicious natures. That we are always to be looking for what's wrong in everybody. That we are always to look for where they fall short. That's not of God. God's saying, test them. uh, But, test them so that you can prove them. So that you can know they're right. That won't happen all the time. It didn't happen in this case. And I want you to see why it didn't happen. To see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Now, here is the bottom line. Here's the big test. Every spirit that confesses... Now, remember, the spirit is the attitude. Every spirit that confesses... And, and this, again, this Greek tense means out of habit, out of its nature. As, as an ongoing process. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, let me explain that to you. By this time, we live in a very divided world. There are people who are pure materialists, like this little play where these two puppets were talking. One puppet is a pure materialist. Her whole worldview is that if it was made, it has to be made and have a cause within the material world and therefore we will figure it out in the material world because that's all there is. There are, in this case, just the opposite, people who radically separate the material world from the spiritual world. You know, it's so strange to 20th century Americans that in the old days people didn't doubt Jesus' divinity, they doubted his humanity. This is called Gnosticism. Gnosis being the Greek word for knowledge, Gnosticism said that you were saved by knowing a special, a special revelation, and that the spirit and the flesh were so radically different that you could only live in the spirit. See, and that was very important. And what John is saying was, see you Hunter, what John was saying, cute baby, what John was saying was, wait. The spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of that separation. It's the spirit of drawing a line between instead of drawing a line to. It's the spirit of seeing how they are not connected because the incarnation is the connection of the two. It is the spirit in the flesh, John 1.14. You understand? So therefore, the spirit of knowledge is the spirit that connects in the world that draws a picture by connecting the dots, it does not demand a separation or an ignorance. It does not demand that that dot become you, that you combine the dots. It demands that you find the connection between the dots. Now, we live in a world that has progressively become fragmented and separated because of the nature of sin. That is the nature of sin. It happened in the world of knowledge. In early days, in the earliest Greek thinkers... The philosophers spoke about the nature of the world as a whole. They would expound upon the physical uh, universe, and then they would expound on the best form of government, and then they would expound on how to raise your kids. They saw it all as a whole. But as early as the 5th century B.C., there began to be schools of investigation. There was a school of mathematics and the school of geometry and the school of astronomy and the school of music. And they began to operate as independent entities not relating to one another. And that began the fragmentation that we call reductionism. That is reducing the world view to think that the, 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 the greater your knowledge, the more you know about a specific thing. Until today, an expert is what? An expert's somebody who knows more and more about less and less, until they almost know everything about almost nothing. You understand? That is the scientific approach. It was it was called atomism in the old days. Uh, it was it was saying that the construction of the universe is by small bits. That's where we get the name atom. And indeed, modern physics says that's exactly right. But what has happened is that the Method of investigation has taken over the brain. And we now believe that in order to become knowledgeable, we have to separate into one field and concentrate only narrowly in that field. And that's how we get smart. God says, huh? There's dots, but you gotta connect them. You gotta see how all the world is. We live in separation. We live believing that a little bit of knowledge about something gives us the whole picture. Do you know? that in 1968, let's talk presidential election here. In 1968, the average soundbite on a news program for the candidates for presidency was 42.3 seconds. In 1988, just four years ago, the average soundbite was nine seconds. You see how we narrow to less and less information believing we know more and more. I was listening to Paul Harvey yesterday. He had an interesting, uh, I, I was just listening casually and didn't, didn't, uh, get all of the details, but he had an interesting insight. He was talking about the Olympics. Are you staying up late or what? I'm, t- I'm going, holy God, what am I doing? Uh, one more event, you know. It's just fascinating. Fascinating. He was talking about the Olympics and about the, 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 uh, uh wonderful way that sports had excelled. He said, do you know that all of Johnny Weissmiller's records, remember Tarzan, the Tarzan movies? Johnny Weissmiller, of course, was an Olympic swimmer, uh, set world records. Every one of his records has been broken by high schoolers. This is fascinating. Every one of Mark Spitz's marks have been broken by women now. (laughs) You like that, don't you, Josh? Josh, you like that. His point was that more and more athletes of the world are excelling at an unbelievable rate. And the question was, why is it that we have athletes like that in our country, but yet our SAT scores are going down and down? And this was the solution that he heard. And I can't remember who came up with this. He said, I'll tell you why it is. He did did an investigation on it. He said... Who teaches sports? Old athletes, right? I mean, the coaches are people who have done it themselves. So they can connect theory with experience. And he said, anytime you can connect theory with experience, your capacity for achievement is going to skyrocket. Who teaches academics? Do you know we have people teaching elect... Electrical uh, engineering that wouldn't dare try and fix their TV set. Wouldn't even approach it. Now, there's nothing wrong with theory, but it does not keep us excelling at the same rate as practice does. Why? Because we were made to connect those dots. That's That's how knowledge really excels when we connect the dots. Knowledge really excels as relationship excels in the world. We even have dividing markers between people instead of two people. When I was on vacation, Beck and I went and stayed with my sister. She's got a place on a, uh, my sister and brother-in-law have a place on an island in Lake Erie. They've got a swimming pool and we went up there and it was great and the sun was out and I was going to go out swimming and I looked out and there were like four little old ladies in 1940s bathing suits with swimming caps on floating around a pool. And I looked, and my sister came in the room, and Michelle said, those are nuns. I said, what? i think thinking, well, this is a sick joke for an inflatable pool, to- pool toy. Yeah. <laughs> How could I even think of he said, yeah, they're nuns from St. Rita's uh, School for the Deaf in Cincinnati. And every year they take their vacation up here. And I met him and I said, hey, you know, we got a pool. Come on, swim in the pool if you want to. So that's who's out there. And I thought, well, that's pretty neat. I like that. Till I decided to go swimming. Now, I don't care what anybody says. You swim different when there's nuns floating in your pool. <laughs> not the same it's just not you know trying to decide whether or not to take my shirt off I you know I'm floating around on the raft my hands kept going you know <laughs> what are you saying when you float past the nun I don't know what's up with the Pope I don't know what are you saying well I couldn't believe how uncomfortable I was you know and, and, and you know most of my family's Catholic and I was still uncomfortable well Michelle invited him over for supper I thought oh that's great So, looked out the window and here's these five little nuns coming over for supper, you know, all in a line. I said, well, this is cool. This is going to be neat. So they come in the door and she says, Joe, say grace. So I'm digging, you know, for the old Catholic grace, you know. (laughs) Bless us, O Lord, and these are gifts as we were about to receive through, you know, so on and so forth. You remember that one. So I did okay there. When's the last time you ate with five nuns? (laughs) What are you talking about? Try hard to come up with Catholic stuff, you know. Well, Somebody mentioned that there was a ping pong table out in the pavilion and, and one of the nuns, Sister John Michael, uh, said, well, well, I'd like to play someone ping pong if someone would play me. Well, we thought that was pretty cute and all the kids got up, see, and they just followed her out and we sat there with the other four nuns trying to think of Catholic stuff and, and 45 minutes later, <laughs> these kids come staggering, <laughs> sweat pouring off. <on. laughs> Sister John Michael comes in this fresh of day. Out of four opponents, the most points anybody scored on this nun was 11 out of 21. I got after my, I thought I'd really rag my 17 my, uh, year old. I said, Josh, you got beaten, ping ponged by a nun. He said, Dad, you wouldn't have believed it. He said, She took the ball back like this, and she left her feet to serve. He said, If I was lucky enough to get my paddle up and just ricochet off the wall. He said, Besides that, she cheated. (laughs) Uh, The male ego is a terrible thing to behold, isn't it? Well, what are we to learn from this besides don't play sports with a nun with a boy's name? We learn that there's a dividing place between us that shouldn't be there. Now, there's a theological difference that should be there. I am not where Roman Catholics are theologically, obviously. But you don't love with theology. You love with your heart. And there was a connectedness there to these women. By the way, they may bring their deaf choir down sometime. There, there was a connectedness there in the work of God that we talked about together that was wonderful. We connected the dots. There was a knowledge there of what God was doing in the lives of the people that we loved. And it was great. That's what God wants us to see. He wants us to see that connection with His world. Look in Psalm 19. I, this is a great Think of this the next time you're in your backyard. I love this song. First verse. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Now, you begin to look at that, and you know it's metaphorical. But you begin to pass it off. Like, yeah, we ought to look at the sky and be reminded of God but there's more to it than that look at the next verse day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals what knowledge how we are connected what God has done between us and his universe there is no speech nor are there words their voice is not heard that speaks about the state we're in right now we're separated when I was on vacation, I read a couple of great books. One of them was the best book on prayer I ever read. Wally Armstrong gave me this book. It was called uh, The God Who Hears by W. Bingham Hunter. I want to read that as a church. I want to recommend it to you. It's a great book. In that prayer or in that book, there was an illustration that made a great deal of sense to me. He said most of us live our lives like a TV dinner. You know? The the, the meat is the work and the and the, uh, the dessert is the recreation, and the the vegetables are the are the uh, our spiritual life, devotional life, and the and the family was the potatoes or something. I don't know. I can't remember. He said, "Life's much more like a pot pie, where everything's just kind of in together. You know, just kind of flavors each other. There is no real separation in life." We're all in this together, and everything in our lives is together. There is an importance in understanding how connected we are with each other. And there's importance to knowing in the eschatological world, in the end, when Christ comes, when the fullness of Christ comes, there will be harmony, even among the animals. Now, you wouldn't go to a zoo right now and see all the animals in the same pen, would you? But you know what? Look at, look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Turn there with me. Let me show you something really neat. The first part of this is a Messianic prediction. And we read it usually at Christmas time. It talks about the offspring of Jesse. That's where Jesus came from, the generations of Jesse. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of, look at this, wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now look what happens when knowledge is made full. In verse 6, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the what? The knowledge of the Lord. We will have a relationship together. We will be connected. Now the trick between now and then is to try to understand how we're connected now. We're not connected in intellectual agreement. I, I, there's, there are a couple of ministries that really give me problems. I mean, give me fits privately. You'll never know what they are. But they do, they give me fits. And usually you can just go about your business and not worry about it and pray, you know, for them and got home, there's a letter on my desk. What do you think about this ministry? I'm going, oh, don't ask me that. Now, I don't want to be asked for a couple of reasons. First of all, because I'm not a diplomatic kind of guy. It's real work for me. We've got a couple of pastors on staff here who I believe you could blindfold and send them on a walk through a cow pasture and they would never step their foot in anything but grass. You understand what I'm saying here? They just come out smelling like a rose. They're diplomats. Not my record. My past is always to find the little stuff to step in. So I don't want to do that because I know that I'm not very good at it, but I also don't want to do this because it's so much work to find places where you connect. And you know you do. God has access to every ministry. God wants to be involved in any ministry. God has the power to be involved in any ministry. There is no place without a witness. God does not leave himself without a witness. So rather than just my little picky unish differences and starting to wail on this ministry, I've got to work now and say, this is where you can see God, but this is where there are some differences that you've got to be aware of. And that's work. And that's why we just would rather live separately. Because it is so much work. But it's not God's way. Yesterday morning, I'll close with this. Yesterday morning, I um, spent two and a half hours with other men in Orlando praying. I'm sorry, I didn't get an uh, oral announcement on this last week because this was a wonderful time together. Uh, Mark Rutland uh, uh, just heard from the Lord and we've spent a couple of times just as different churches now in prayer together, and it was such a one. I just love that to be with other Christians of other backgrounds. It's just where I live, and I love getting my arms around Jim Henry and Mark Rutland and um, Bishop John Howe and 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 Roderick Zach and the other pastors in town who I know, you know, are kind of isolated because of the busyness that they have from other pastors. It's neat for pastors to just love on each other and it's neat for men and boys to love on each other we did a lot of that it was great but there was a guy who got up and prayed now see this is awful who started praying something I didn't agree with he started with the imagery and I know this guy and I love this guy but he started praying Lord Jesus we know he's going through the political imagery we know that you'd like to be candidate for the head of this city And I'm thinking to myself, cut it out. You're talking to the king of the universe. You think he's running for city office here? You think he needs our votes? Cut this out. And God came to me and said, stop it. Stop that. Listen to his heart. Don't listen to his words. Don't analyze what he's doing here. He's calling for loyalty and submission to God. Okay. There was a line now. Instead of a line here, there was a line here. Determine today that as you walk through life, all of the differences you see, you're not going to draw a line this way, you're going to draw a line that way. You're going to ask yourself, God, why did you put that in my life? Why? There must be some connection here. And if I... And find that out. I'll have more of a complete picture of how you've made the world. But whether or not I can ever find it out, I have confidence you've put it together. We're going to sing a song now. And, uh, and it's, a, it's one of my favorite songs in all the world, How Great Thou Art. It's about God who created everything, all the worlds that he has made. Now, during this time, if you've got some prayer concern, or after the service, if you've got some prayer concern, come on down, let us pray with you. Especially if the prayer concern is that you are not sure about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We want you to be sure about that. You want to be sure about that. If you feel the tug on your heart to come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, let us pray with you about that and help you with that. Others of you may have prayers about being disconnected from some people that... Okay, get the line going like this. You know, issues of forgiveness, issues of, of, um, hospitality. I don't know. But if you've got prayer concerns of any nature, let us pray with you. Okay? Would you guys stay and pray? I, I, I always do this last minute. George, would you enjoy staying and pray with folks? And Dave, you? Okay? You, okay. Alright, now we're going to sing. And you can come forward during that song. Okay? Or if you want to wait till afterwards, you can. And then when everybody, when you all leave, would you kind of leave quietly so that we can hear and
0: pray? Thank you. But hear these words from Ephesians chapter 1. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power. in power. Amen. <laughs>